It's time to create better. Create better family, health, business, and self. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. The National Institute of Health in 2018 said that kids who spent more than two hours a day on screen scored lower in language and thinking tests. That screen time affects obesity, language delays, attention spans, and and antisocial behavior. Now, if you have kids, you definitely want to tune in to this episode as we talk screen time. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, how to create better self, how to create better health and better business. My guests today are three incredible moms and experts in their own fields, and I cannot wait to share them with you. Angela Crocker is a friend, a mom, a lecturer. She's an author of seven books and an expert on all things digital. Yvonne Yua is a dear friend, a mama philanthropist, and an expert on all things financial. She's a senior director of financial literacy at her firm called um, World Financial Group. And Joy Aragon, a dear friend, a fellow volleyball lover, and um, well, she plays, I cheer and watch my kids. And she's an expert on all things because she raises not one, not two, but eight children. Eight children, that's correct. Eight children, I could drop the mic here, but we aren't because it's gonna be a great conversation about screen time. So we're gonna tap into Joy's parenting expertise as well. So here we go, and you do not wanna miss this. Now we're going to move to a very relevant uh, topic, especially during this pandemic when, when all of us are, from adults to grandparents are learning all about being in front of a screen. And you know, the Canadian Pediatric Society defines screen time as any time in front of a screen, whether it is an Apple Watch or a television screen or, or anything like that. So I would love to know your thoughts because this is a question I get asked constantly is how do we help with screen time. And, and I know that the underlining here will be digital literacy as well. And I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this. So um, raise your hand if, and even if you're listening, safely driving, if there's more than one screen in your house. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Too many, yeah. There's a study that in the world, in the planet mm-hmm. of Earth, more than 50% of children under the age of eight own their own tablet or device. And I'm gonna say that's predominantly in North America. And, and that is crazy. And, and I think there was a study that I came across once that in uh, Korea, it, the average person owns seven devices. Wow. And so, and then when we look at it in our own world, we're like, oh my goodness. And then we think I probably own four myself. <laughs> and then when you start thinking about the things, including like, I mean, I have a Fitbit and um, I, I, it looks like it's a screen. So maybe that counts too. Then maybe I have five. I don't know. But I would love to know what your thoughts are. Like our children are studying obviously on screens. So how do you navigate that do you have 
rules right now in your household with screens? What's what? What do you do in your house, Yvonne? So Bailey can use her screen from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So nothing past that um, has to be, and she cannot have it in her room. Um, but we understand that she needs to do her homework. So when we first implemented this rule, she didn't realize that, and she would save her homework until after dinner, and she didn't have enough time, you know, to complete everything before 8 p.m. And so she learned very quickly that she needed to attack her homework as soon as she gets home, and then she can go play, do whatever she wants to do, and we don't have to worry about unlocking it or having her come use one of our, our computers. Uh, so that's, that's her rule. Love it. Brilliant. Love it. Now she's learning time management skills mm -hmm. on top of it. Mm -hmm. Very good. That's awesome. Great, great tip. Joy, what is what what do you do with eight kids and devices? <laughs> I'm sure it's like um, for every child. Well, Give the, us the youngest who has a phone is Alexis. She's in middle school, so she's 11 because they use phones at school now or device, you know, laptops and what, whatnot. So they have theirs from when they wake up and before they go to bed, like nine, the older ones get it till 10. They all put it in our room to charge. They don't get it in the room. And uh, yeah, if, if they want extra time, then they have to ask for it. If they don't ask for it, they lose their device for the next day. <laughs> Unless, you know, for school, but when they get home, they have to put it away. No, that's great. Um, consequences when they know ahead of time that there is. Yeah, you have to ask. That's, that's brilliant. And, you know, like even in, as a classroom teacher, I, I often share at teacher workshops that, you know, classroom management, when you do have 26 kids, and I imagine having eight children is the same as having 26. <laughs> But is, is to be uh, laying down the rules ahead of time so that it is preventative and you don't have to be punitive. And that's never fun to have to be uh, punitive. Uh, Miss Angela, I know you have a gazillion tips and I, I'm so excited about that. But what is something, what do you do in your house right now? Well, as you know, I've done a lot of research around how uh, children and teens are using technology. And one of the things that we... Uh, we do in our household is it's not time bound, it's actually behavior bound. And that works for our family. And I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, every child, every family style, um, neurotypical or neurodivergent children, we have to adjust what we do with, with our child. And so in our case, uh, it's behavior bound. So it's around, are we having social time every day? Are we taking care of our educational studies every day? Are we looking after personal hygiene every day? Are we sleeping every day? Uh, and if those parameters are met, <clears throat> whatever time is left over could be used for screen time. And we don't time bound it. We are kind of a night owl family. So we, um, we, we do that based on you know, what our family activities are, what our, our private time is. We might sleep in in the morning. So there is no tech time in our household on a weekend until 11 because nobody's up off the mattress. Uh, not that we always have that luxury. And so it's more around these behaviors about if all of the, these behaviors are being completed and whatever time's left over is available for screens. Um, and you typically filling all those other behaviors leaves a healthy and limited amount of time for screen. 
Oh, absolutely. And it is, it is so tricky when, you know, like I, I, like the national Institute of health and even as recent as, well, 2018, they're saying, you know, children under two should have zero screen time and children between two and four should have no more than one hour of screen time a day. And, you know, I, I read these things and I, I laugh because I see people pushing strollers with, uh, iPads taped to them and I'm guessing it's going to be longer than an hour <laughs> but and you know and then they say uh kids um I think it was between five and 17 have two hours and I think how does that work when they are in front of their screens for school and we know that's longer than two hours and, you know, and recreationally is their phone like that, that is on their person often. Um, and like, how, how do you navigate that? And, and you see all these frightful studies that show that, you know, like when children are in, like under four years old, if they have a screen for even three hours a day, they start to, uh, it reflects in delayed development, in, in speech, in uh, critical thinking. And one scary one that I saw was if a child is on a screen for seven hours a day, the, it starts to thin the, the lining of their brain cortex, which is where they do critical thinking and reasoning. And I'm thinking, well, what? <laughs> because... <laughs> Our kids are on screens and nobody wants any part of their brain to thin out. <laughs> and it's, it's really scary. And, you know, I, I, I know that there's a lot of uh, incredible guidelines out there and I have to show Ms. Anthony. Is that, is that screen time learning or is it just like screen watching time something? in front of a device counts as screen time. So whether Even if you're reading read a book yep they they actually need to take like you know even when I'm t my kids are studying I tell them you know every 30 minutes they have a timer that just shakes on their watch to just look up and look at a tree out the window because you need your eyes to have a break you, you do and you know my oldest who is 18 will say to me mom I was never on a screen like like Justin and Naomi and it's true and it, time has every year screens just take up more time because Abiel didn't have a, a phone for I, like forever <laughs> and, and Naomi she has my old phone right now and we were broken the rules for her because um, Abiel got one when she started high school and the reason I did that is besides you know her cousin's um, they started that precedent of, you know, when you go to high school, you get a phone. And I thought, no, we're not going to do that. But at that point, we had three kids in three different schools. And there's one me. And I thought, I can't reach them all. So then we had Abigail. And then and then Justin did the same. But Naomi is in grade seven in middle school. And she has a phone. She has my old phone. And it's $15 a month. And it is for with limited minutes because the sole purpose is for contacting parents and for me to reach her <laughs> and mm -hmm. but but yet it uh, it does have wi-fi at home so abiel points out all these things that she didn't get when she was little <laughs> and that her mother and her get to do. 
So it is a tricky road. And, you know, I was, I was flashing um, Angela's book here, a digital life. Thanks for sharing it. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's so many brilliant things in there, but I love that you said that what is digital responsibility? And, and I'm going to quote you, Angela, and you said, you know, we have to ask what is digital responsibility and youth learn that it is not an inherent right to have technology. Rather, it is <clears throat> uh, the acceptable and appropriate use of technology. And, and I think that is the underlying lesson. Like we can't control everything they will see as best as we try because they will look on the, over the shoulder of their friend who may not have the same uh, limitations that we put on our children. But it is is teaching them that respect uh, of themselves and of others and of 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 having the privilege of having technology and you know i tell my children those aren't your phones those are my phones i pay for them and so they aren't yours and so it is you know we we have so many uh rules and regulations for protecting our children in our own house and and i'll, I'll just share some of mine is is that um, devices on the weekend, nobody's on a device before noon and you don't have time to read, sleep in, you know, play a board game, but no, no devices before noon. And, um, we don't have devices in their bedroom until you're 17. So Abigail does, um, because she is working all the time and she needs some privacy as a young adult. And so, um, but, but just keeping their bedrooms in our house sacred to that's where you're going to sleep and there's no need for devices. And another big one is, is just uh, protection for yourself that you don't take pictures for people who request you to take pictures of any part like of your body, like even if it's just your chin, no, no, thank you. There's no need. And, you know, as much as people say they can delete things, and I'm sure Miss Angela can touch on this too, nothing is ever private and can be shared. And, you know, it can be shared and used against you. And, you know, there's so many things. And I'm going to go back to Angela on this because I love in her book, she talks about uh, reputation management. Um, and she yeah. three P's. And I, I am, you know, if you were in your car and you're listening, you want to hear this. It's a very interesting <clears throat> breakdown of three P's, which is, you know, what you share. There's the public stuff that you can share. There is the private stuff in your life. And then there's the personal. And I am going to ask Angela to, to touch on this because I loved her examples from each of those things. And, and teaching our children, like what Yvonne was saying earlier, even about financial literacy, is we educate our children knowingly and unknowingly in everyday life before we set them out loose into the world of money, into the world of uh, digital life, which is so invasive and everywhere abundant. But teaching and setting those parameters before we release them into the wild. <laughs> painful lessons will be learned, right? You will get burned. And I mean, even our own prime minister is regretting things that he shared in high school that 
that we need to make our children aware of. And, you know, I am very adamant with my kids about that privacy because when you have your screen in your bedroom, it's like letting a, a stranger into your bedroom because you don't know who else is going to see it. You just have no idea. And so no need to share weird pictures of yourself. But I, I, I would love, Angela, if you could elaborate on those P, three Ps. Would that be okay, hon? Of course, of course. So the three Ps is a construct that we can use at any age. And I think it's really important that we start introducing it as young as possible. Um, even children as young as four and five, we can start to talk about privacy. And at that age, we're already starting to talk about you know, what are private body parts and what are, are not private body parts. Um, so this idea of these three Ps uh, being private, personal, and public is a spectrum that allows us to help our children figure out what they might share online. So anything private stays offline, you know, whether that's uh, body photographs, whether that's uh, opinions about someone that maybe are a bit mean or, or their, their anger should probably stay private, um, as opposed to things that are public. They're going to celebrate their volleyball accomplishments. They're going to celebrate their piano recital. They're going to celebrate... Um, the things that they do at school that are part of the sort of public school facing uh, experience. Uh, but what's do, what's the part that you have to teach them is where the lines are for your family. And that's the personal piece in the middle. Um, some families are extremely private and so they don't share. They might not share the volleyball team success. They might not reveal what school their child goes to. Um, and so our kids are watching what we do as we talk about them. And we're learning this construct uh, all the time. We're constantly evaluating, okay, what is, is this thing I'm about to do online? Is this really private? Because frankly, anything that goes on the internet is accessible on the internet. You cannot delete a photo completely. You can hope that it's deleted, but you never know if someone has already screen captured it and it's, it's shared somewhere that you can no longer control. So having a sense of understanding that anything that goes online is potentially public. Thankfully, there are tools that we can use to keep things in that personal realm. So that the personal is the things that we are sharing where only our friends or are the people that we have connected with um, in, in terms of our teams or you know, for our kids, their sports teams, their school clubs, their after-school activities, those things they might wanna share online. And, and let's be truthful. Teens today are communicating through their devices. They're communicating in Snapchat, they're using Instagram uh, direct messages or group messaging. And so they have to understand that what they're sharing there is personal. And hopefully the people they're spending time with online are respecting their privacy and not making that information public. And so these three Ps are a helpful framework to help explain, you know, what is okay to share online and what isn't. No, brilliant. And, and that obviously is a conversation to have at a dinner time, because it, I think it's never too late to have these conversations, no matter what age, like you, like Angela, you're saying, even at age four and age five. And, you know, and I think it's so important for us as moms and parents to to be monitoring and you know there's like four m's that i refer to and one of them is you know monitoring um what our our children are looking at and playing on and you know i, I know i've shared a story with yvonne before that you know when 
my youngest, she was like six years old and she was playing this adorable farmer video game where you, you grow crops, but you have to pull them up before they get destroyed. But other people can enter this, these games. And I was looking over her shoulder and I saw names of other people playing and they were absolutely inappropriate names. And I, I, <laughs> and I, I, I fully took that on and I said, oh my goodness, I'm like, who are you playing with? And then she said, some friends. And and these are just people who, I, I guess she said, yes, you can play. Yes, you can play. And obviously they were inappropriate people because their their names were male body parts, which oh it was gosh. just horrifying. I was horrified. Yes. And so we don't have that game anymore, but she uh, is not six now, but, but she didn't know how to read them and she didn't know what they meant. And but monitoring, uh, but also monitoring behavior, right? And, you know, if, so when, when it's addiction of screen time is a, another whole discussion, and I know that time is running out of here, but, you know, we can gauge that by, you know, how they are spending their time. Like, are they upset because we have removed screen times? Are they depressed because of screen time? Because they're on it and feeling depressed. Um, are they bored without screens? So like gauging those things can, and keeping monitoring them. Another M is modeling, modeling the behavior of ourselves and not putting them to bed while looking at a screen ourselves and not focusing on our children. Modeling it at mealtimes. Are we on our screens when we're telling our kids not to be at dinner time? Um, <clears throat> another M is, uh, learning to have meaningful screen time. And that means not wasting time on it, but um, are we learning from it? Is it educational? Is it used for communication? So defining what the purpose is of, of that screen time. I cannot remember what my fourth M is right now. <laughs> but, but I, I know there was four that I always talk about, but that fourth one, I don't know. Anybody can make it up. What is it? <laughs> M is for mom brain. Yes, M is for mom brain. And I like, I don't know what that fourth M is, but it'll come back to me. But before we leave this conversation, I, I would be so grateful, ladies, if you could each share um, a tip that you have learned as a mom um, with regards to screen time management or monitoring or mom braining, <laughs> anything that you could share that may help a parent who is listening right now. Um, anybody can go first, go for it. <clears throat> I think just being honest uh, with your kids because it is a new thing, right? Having screen time, this digital realm, it is a new thing. We're all still navigating and we make mistakes too. And sometimes as adults, we get stressed, we have our Netflix binge and, you know, our kids see that. And so, you know, we say, hey, how come you're allowed to do that and I'm not allowed to do that? And so just being honest with them and, and just say, hey, you know what, I make mistakes too. And yeah, sometimes, yeah, we need to, we need to have our digital break and, um, and, and we allow them to do that too, right? If it's a long weekend, we know they work really hard throughout the week and we say, okay, you know, go ahead. Right. Like Angela said, like once you've taken care of all the essentials, you know, like anything left over, any time left over, 
go ahead, it's fine. Um, so sometimes like not being too strict about that. Um, yeah, and learning along the way as well. Mm-hmm. I like your M word, mistakes. We make them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miss Joy, do you have any wonderful tips? I just bow my my hat to you, tipping it to you. <laughs> Eight. I was like, wow. Um, well, you just got to make sure that they're not on it 24-7. You know, they, you know they're going to need that break from the school. They watch TV. They go watch their TikToks. But they got to do their chores. They got to do their homework. And just, you know, the rest of life, they have all their activities. So we know that they're not on it all the time. But when, you know, when they are on it, we got to know what they're watching, know what they're doing, and just be responsible. Love it. And I know your kids are busy because yeah, they're <laughs> sports from gymnastics to volleyball. And, and it's hockey. <laughs> I won't name them all. <laughs> wow. And yes, and having that, that uh, life balance and in, in, in person social activities. Um, I mean, there's digital is very social as well, but, but having face to face real time is, is so important. And of course, modeling that in, in, in our own lives and having those conversations and, and having screen free zones in our own homes whether it is around the kitchen table or in our, in our case, also our, our bedrooms, like Ron and I, we don't um, have a TV or screens in our, our bedroom. And Joy, I love that you mentioned earlier that your kids have to charge their phones in your room so that you actually know where those phones are as well. Yeah. We have a station in our kitchen um, as well for that. Love it. Angela, Hen, any final words of wisdom? Oh, so many words to share. It feels like a bigger conversation. In the I know. There's going to be a part two, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, l- let me share a, a construct that we use. And, and I've researched this and tested this with, with many families, and it works quite universally, which is to be clear about what your rules are around screen time and technology use. Uh, and I recommend making it into an actual written contract. Um, my son has had a technology use contract since he was four years old. <laughs> we have updated it every single year of his life to reflect his uh, age and stage of development and, of course, the shifts in his access to technology. And part of the reason why I recommend that families write it down is that there can be a misunderstanding about what the rules are. And and it's parents, we are the guilty parties when this happens, that we, in our heads, we've communicated some rules, we've sat down and we had the talk about what time and what, what uses are acceptable and what the parameters are. But then we read a study and we think, oh, hmm, okay, that that new study said this is a problem. So I'm going to, in my head, change the rules. But we don't always communicate that clearly to our children. And so they're trying to navigate something that is new to them and really is new to us all, especially this era of uh, social technology where you know social media is only 15 or so years old. We are still teenagers figuring it out, even if we are in our 40s. And so we want to make sure that we are communicating clearly to our children where the, where the boundaries are and whether you update that contract 
uh, annually or more frequently is up to your family. Uh, it's definitely flexible, so it can be adjusted for age. You know, my son's four-year-old contract were in words that he understood. It looked like a four-year-old had written it. Uh, his teenage versions are more sophisticated in language. Uh, and it's very helpful, I think, to, to have those, those written documents, whether it's a piece of paper. We actually do it as a piece of paper in our family. And mom, dad, and son all sign it uh, each time we update it. I love it. And you actually have an example of this in your Digital Life Skills for Youth. I love your, I love your book. It's, it's wonderful. Yes, there's actually downloadable templates. There's three different versions of a contract that come with the, with the book that parents can use as a starting point. Absolutely brilliant. And so ladies, I will have um, how to contact you in your in the show notes for this podcast, um, if you wish. So I, I know that we've already confirmed this. So <laughs> it will be in the show notes to contact if you would like to contact Angela on that or Yvonne Yua on financial literacy. And I know, Joy, people can find you on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, only if you wish. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I love what uh, Angela, you just touched on that, you know, digital responsibility is actually on the parents. And and it's, it's up to us to help our kids through this crazy and brand new world. And, you know, 15 is still young. Um and, you know, I, I even recall like a conversation I had with a child psychologist with Vanessa LaPointe, and we talked about discipline. And discipline is not about kids. It's it's about the parents. And so bottom line, it is about us and us helping our children to be safe and smart and ready financially and in and digital digitally. Goodness, I can't say that word. But ladies, Joy, Angela, Yvonne, I am so grateful for you. You've Each of you have shared such great expertise. And I know that our listeners have learned from you. And our listeners, I'm so grateful for you. And thank you. Thank you for taking this time with us. And I know that you've uh, picked up a lot of strategies here from from Joy, Angela, and Yvonne. And I am just very grateful for your, your time and for tuning in with us today. So ladies, if you would like to say bye, you're absolutely welcome to say bye as well. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. It's been fun. Thanks, so Thanks for all the info. <laughs>